For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. It's time for Tim. The Tim Weisberg Show on 1420 WBSM and streaming live on WBSM.com and the WBSM app. Talk to Tim now at 508-996-0500 or send him a message through the WBSM app. And now, WBSM's big gun, Tim Weisberg. And good morning. Happy Tuesday to you. It's not as bad as you thought it was going to be. Well, I mean, I didn't think it was going to be bad because I was paying close attention to the storm because I was worried about how it would affect the turnout in the Ward 3 election today. If you live in Ward 3 and you can, get out and vote. Maybe you already got out and voted. That was the smart move. Maybe you said to yourself, going to get this done ahead of time. Or maybe you said to yourself, gee, we haven't had any snow. Watch it snow on election day. But either way, it's not that bad out. I um, I was out early because I thought the roads were going to be worse than they are. Roads are great. Great job by everybody. I think part of that is because <laughs> we haven't had a snowstorm all season, all winter. So nobody was reluctant to send the sanders out or to send the plows out or whatever. They're like, ah, yeah, we got plenty in the budget for this year. Yeah, send them out. Send them out early. Stay ahead of it. Not that they wouldn't do that anyway, but. I was thinking about that on my way here. I was like, I, I bet you everybody was eager to get out for this one. But uh, and, and I like it when it's like this, you know, it's not, it's not dangerous. You have to be cautious, but you don't have to be scared. And the folks can get a little work in and we can get nice clear roads. Even the parking lot here was beautiful when I pulled in. So great job by everybody. Uh, I was going around taking a look at some of the roads. Everything looks good. And it's probably all going to start melting. It's actually melting now. But it'll probably start melting even more as the day goes on, especially when it starts to mix with rain. So that's my little weather speech for you today. I used to tease Barry all the time. I'm like, you, you open every show talking about the weather. Like, can you? And, and Chris McCarthy used to do the same thing. I was like, can you guys open the show not talking about the weather for once? And I find that I do the same thing every single day. So it's, it's right in front of you. It's easy to do. So we've got a lot that we can talk about today. As I mentioned, it is the Ward 3 special election today. You heard Sean Oliver and Carmen Amaral both spoke on South Coast tonight last night and both spoke with Phil this morning making their final pitch to get you out there to get to the polls. And, you know, there was still a lot of discussion about Sean Oliver's Facebook posts. Um, we can certainly discuss that more if you want to. Again, as I said yesterday, uh, I think that the election is actually going to be affected more by the weather than by those posts. But there are people who are upset about that. 
And if you, you know, on, on both sides of the issue. So you can certainly call in and discuss that. There's, uh, to me, I think that the good thing about this race is, and I don't mean this as any disrespect to whoever wins and to the two final candidates that are running today. But I think this process of the special election has given us a preview of what we can expect in November. There was there were seven candidates that were interested, seven candidates running in the preliminary. Uh, last night on South Coast tonight, Sean Oliver said to Marcus that if you know he he said if he doesn't basically he didn't say this exactly, but he intimated that if he doesn't win tonight today, if he does not win, he will be a candidate again in the fall. And I think it's a smart move because he was the top vote getter in the preliminary. He certainly built a lot of rain name recognition, and he's gotten out and he's done a lot of work. And he's laid the groundwork for future runs, whether it be this November for Ward 3 or maybe in the future for an at-large position, but he has, he has laid the groundwork. So it's a smart move. And I, I haven't heard Carmen Amaral say the same thing. I might have missed it if she did, but it would be a smart thing for her as well, that if she is not victorious today, that she looks at running again in the fall. But it has shown that there will be a lot of interest, I think, in that position coming up. Or it could go completely the opposite way, where folks are burnt out from this run, so they don't want to run again in the fall. They say, we'll wait a couple of years and come back at it. But I think I think it's really going to play out with the former rather than the latter, that there'll be a lot of interest in the fall for that seat. And I think there's going to be a lot of interest across the board for council seats. I don't think any councilor is going to have an easy time of it this fall. Part of that is we're hearing frustration with the way things are going. Not so much about the day-to-day operations of the city, but the way that the council is doing its business. We're also hearing complaints from a lot of people, and, and this has been going on for years. There's a lot of people that complain about Mayor Mitchell. There's a lot of people who say he needs to get out of office. There's a lot of people who say he doesn't, and I don't understand some of the commentary. He doesn't have New Bedford's best interests. It's only about him and his friends. I can't really, I don't think so. He might have a different vision for what New Bedford can be in the future than you do, but I, I think that that's what his motivation is. But there are some people who say, hey, he's been here long enough. You know, we're at, we're at almost 12 years. That's enough. For any mayor. So somebody has to step up and run. And there's a lot of people who try to paint the picture of that the city is unhappy with Mayor Mitchell and his performance. But if that's the case, why has he easily won re-election every time that he's run? Like not even close Now, you might look at some of the recent people who ran against him and say, well, were they really serious candidates? You know, I think Charlie Perry was a serious candidate. I don't think Tyson Moultrie was. I think he, the way he ran his campaign, he kind of shot himself in the foot before he even got going. But maybe he's had a chance to regroup. Maybe I believe Charlie Perry retired a few years ago. Maybe now he's, you know, got more focus. 
and he wants to come back and run. Maybe some of the counselors run. But to say that the city isn't happy, well, then why is it that he keeps getting reelected by such wide margins? Well, because only people that support him go out and vote. Well, then that's the problem, right? That people who don't like the way the direction of the city is going don't get out there and vote. So anyway, there'll be a lot of election talk coming up over the course of the summer and into the fall. Uh, but today, of course, we'll be focusing on the Ward 3 election. We will have live coverage of it tonight on South Coast Tonight. Adam Bass will be at City Hall. Uh, he'll be giving updates to Marcus. I believe Chris will be in with him. I'm not totally sure. I believe so. And they will be able to give you real-time analysis and take phone calls from the person who is victorious and the person who has to concede. And they'll get some other calls from people like you letting them know what you think about what goes on. So it'll be a very interesting edition of South Coast tonight. This evening, I'm looking forward to it. Now, what else can we talk about today in addition to that? Well, uh, yesterday, the city of New Bedford announced a $5,000 signing bonus for new police officers as a way to fill some of those empty positions and to get the, the, the force back to fully staffed. And on the surface, it sounds like a great idea, right? That should entice some people to, you know, maybe maybe they were going to go to a suburb. They want to be a police officer, but they were going to go to a suburb that doesn't have a, a residency requirement. Even though they live in the city, they say, ah, I'm going to go be a cop in Lakeville or Middleborough, Freetown. I don't know. I don't know which towns have residency requirements and which don't. But maybe they're looking at it like that regard where they say, I just don't know that I want to have the workload of being a city officer compared to a suburban officer. But maybe, maybe $5,000 as soon as they join up entices them. I I'm, I didn't read all the details. I'm sure it's, you know, you got to wait 90 days. But on the surface, it seems like a good idea, right? It seems like it might entice some people to join up. But then there are others who are saying, well, what about those who are already there? How about a $5,000 bonus for staying? And as somebody who has been in a position where I've had a position, I've, I've, when I was working in food service, I had a job. They couldn't get people. They couldn't get bodies in. And it's, it's, I think it was more because nobody wanted to work for the company. It wasn't so much about the industry. It was... There were tons of restaurant jobs, so people probably preferred to go to restaurant jobs than to go to the corporate cooking structure. And there's different reasons for that. Some of it is how much oversight there was in every little thing you do. Some of it was that um, you would have to travel. So you would wake up in the morning and they would tell you where you were going. So you would wake up at four in the morning and they're like, oh, you got to be in, uh, you know, Belmont by by six. So a lot of people didn't like that structure. For me, what was attractive to it was it was Monday through Friday. Didn't have to work weekends and I got out at two o'clock every day. So I could continue on with my media career, but it wasn't for everybody. But they started offering a sign on bonus. I don't think it was 5000 I think it was like 500 But you would get a $500 bonus after 90 days if you signed on with the company. 
I remember saying to my district manager, do I get $500 for staying? Because I could leave at any time. I could go get a job in a restaurant any time. I mean, not to be cocky, but I've got a skill that will always put food on my table. I can cook breakfast in a high-pressure environment. And I have 20 years experience of doing it. So I didn't have to be where I was. But the response to that is, why would we give you a bonus if you're already here? And I said, hmm, I'm just going to log that one away. You know, I got my perfect attendance bonus. Every six months, I got an award, like a paper award, and $25 in my check. Which, you know, I don't scoff at. I'm fine with. You're supposed to go to work every day. But also, I didn't get performance bonuses. My Christmas bonus was I got to take home a turkey. And my raises, they could go two percent. Well, they could go two. They could go two point five percent, and they only went two percent. Even though I did everything I was supposed to, they just wouldn't give me the maximum because that extra eleven cents per paycheck or whatever it would have been would have killed them. Anyway, five zero eight nine nine six zero five hundred. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Good morning, Tim. How are you? Gilly Safiolis. What's on your mind, Gilly? My mind is this. You just mentioned about why the mayor keeps getting reelected. Mm-hmm. Okay, my opinion. I ran for school committee back in the year 2000. And at the time, the graduation rate was less than 50% from New Bedford High School. When they were having trouble when Scott Lang was in there, he made a comment about the MCAT scores that he was going to give um, diplomas with people without it until the educational board in Boston told him, go right ahead, we'll stop your funding. Well, the mayor, I know he's got a lot of things in his mind, but right at the top of that with the taxpayer stuff, his number one priority is to get the kids educated. And he's done a hell of a job with the school department. So maybe that's why people are voting for him. Yeah, I mean, I, I think you can look at a lot of the different things that he's done and say he has made the city better in his time there. I just think that people people who don't know what they're talking about say That's negative right. things about him. Yeah, like I, my saying is, sometimes it's better to keep your mouth shut and be considered a fool than open it and remove all doubts. But that's why that's the number one thing is the kids come first. Thank you. All right, have a good day. And um, listen, I'm not... I'm not um, I'm not saying that there aren't issues. You know, we heard uh, Councilors Burgo and Pereira talking about, and you can read about it. Marcus has an article at WBSM.com and on the app, and you can hear the uh, interview in there. He has uh, d- the discussion from Friday night with Councilors Burgo and Pereira where they say, you know, Mayor Mitchell, with him, it's his way or the highway. And that he can be difficult to work with. And I'm not, I'm not denying that. I can see how frustrated some folks get with working with him. And whatever, that's going to happen in any working relationship. But I think the results have been pretty well, pretty good. The results so far, 
He has made the city better in his time as mayor than it was before. And I think the people who are like, Mayor Mitchell's ruining the city. Uh, I know I'm going to stop doing the dumb guy voice, but I'm going to try and do the the um, different tone of voice, which was what that was. Mayor Mitchell is ruining the city. No. No, he's not. Where is your proof of that? Well, I'm paying more in taxes. Well, that's not the mayor is doing. The mayor doesn't set the tax rate. The city council does. The city council actually did not raise your taxes, but the evaluations went up. You could say maybe the council could have lowered the tax rate to make up for that, to, to keep it an even playing field for now, but that's not the reality of the economy we're in. They needed to have it where it is, and the evaluations went up. Mayor Mitchell did not raise your taxes. Mayor Mitchell did not bring the train here to raise your taxes. I think Mayor Mitchell has kind of characterized himself until it became real in the last couple of years as ambivalent toward whether or not the train came. Because I don't know that he necessarily believed it. So all these things that people think are not based in reality. It doesn't mean that the, that the issues aren't legitimate and that their complaints aren't legitimate. They just don't understand the process of how you get to that point. But anyway, that's one, one discussion that we can have if you are interested. But $5,000 bonus for anybody that signs on with the police. Be interested in getting your thoughts. We are going to have the police department in on Thursday because they have the special training coming in, uh, coming up for the civil service test. For those who applied to take it, they're going to have the special course that they promised that will help you prepare for it. Uh, and so we will have, uh, I know Lieutenant Scott Carolla will be in. I don't know if he's bringing any other officers with him, but he'll be here to talk or, or any other um, folks from the department. Uh, but we will discuss that on Thursday's show for those of you who took it and those of you who might have an interest in taking it in the future so that you can learn a little bit more about it. And we can talk about this $5,000 bonus, too. Also, something else that we can discuss. Yesterday, I shared a couple of articles out on WBSM.com and on the app that I think that you will find of interest based on some of our previous conversations at least one of them for sure. We were talking before about the moving of the Rogers Memorial that's now on the property of the high school but used to be in the middle of Route 6. And when we discussed that, one of the topics that came up was what used to be around here, the Sconnecott Neck Plaza, what used to be around this area back in those days. And we talked about the Bowlers Country Club formerly the Atlantic 10-pin across the street where Stop and Shop is now, but someone informed me that used to be the poor farm and that you can walk around and see the brick wall in front of it that is still there from when it was the poor farm. And I only knew of the Fairhaven poor farm that was over near Howland Road and Cogsall Street over there where you know people still refer to that area as that historically. I didn't know that in the late 1800s, they actually moved the poor farm from there to where Stop and Shop is now, in part because they were having people come across the river and steal the crops at night. So Henry Huddleston Rogers built a 
new building, a new facility for the poor farm, and they moved it over here. And, you know, an almshouse was what the, what the formal title was. An almshouse is something that I don't know you could get away with building today and people would support it. Because it was a place where the sick, the infirm, the destitute, where they could move in if they didn't have anywhere to go and anybody that could they could move in with. The poor people who were poor, too poor to make it on their own could live in the almshouse. And yeah, Henry Huddleston Rogers built it, the, the, the later one. But it was supported by the town. If you go through the town budgets from those days, they would have budgetary appropriations for running the poor farm. They took care of the people in the town that couldn't take care of themselves. And it doesn't seem like anybody had an issue with it. In fact, it went until the nineteen until about nineteen sixty. They only had one person living in there that needed the services by that time, so then they decided to close it. Because of social security, they didn't have as many people living in almshouses. But they had every town had one, or a majority of the towns had one. New Bedford had theirs at Clark's Point, Westport had theirs, Wareham had one. It, it, it was a time when they took care of people that couldn't take care of themselves. I got to take a break, but we can talk about that. Uh, let me take a quick call. Good morning. You're on WBSM. Hi, good morning. Sonny uh, Mud. Yeah, when, when I hear people say uh, the, 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 it's my way or the highway, you make yourself sound like a weak council. You know, the charter set up, the city charter set up, so that one does have the advantage over the other. But what happens is when you got nine against one saying, uh, it's my way of the highway. Don't you have any negotiation skills? Don't you have any leverage skills? How, how can it be my way of the highway? It, are you lacking in your communication skills as a council? Because uh, basically what it sounds like to me with an election coming up, it's nine people trying to uh, cut the legs out from under the mayor's re-election. Yeah, and I think that that's. I think there's definitely some of that happening. I think that the, there's uh, an effort being done to um, portray the mayor in a certain way ahead of of this fall's election. That's right. I mean, uh, the mayor didn't hand out crazy raises, and the mayor didn't do a lot of other things either. That he got uh, negativity stuff. I heaped at his on his shoes, and uh, he took it like a man. And uh, he's not afraid to say he's wrong and revisit things publicly. So how the hell is he so different, um, perhaps behind closed doors or one-on-one head-to-head discussions with the council individually? Uh, it doesn't add up. It looks to me like somebody uh, counseled together or, or some of them. They just want to get him out of office because uh, apparently when the cat's away, the mice will play. But uh, this man is 24-7. You ain't going to get away with that. Sure. All right. Well, thank you for the call. Have a good day. And uh, we do have to take a break. When we come back on the other side, we can talk more with you, 508-996-0500. Or you can hit us up on App Chat on the WBSM app. We can talk about the election today. We can talk about the future of the city government. We can talk about the Fairhaven Almshouse. Uh, also, I have another article I just want to direct your attention to. And we're going to get into this because I want to. And, uh, and I can. And I'm going to lay out the reasons for you. Well, you can read about it at WBSM.com and on the app and on our Facebook page. But I'm going to lay out for you some of the reasons why Child World was a much better toy store than Toys R Us. Does it matter? Is it important? No. 
but I can talk about it, so I will. All right, we'll take a break and be right back. No, here WB. show with jimmy fallon which was uh pretty cool uh the fact that he's you know getting opportunities like that still and he's still out there touring does a great job i saw them last year not last year 2021 uh right before mike nesmith died i saw mickey and mike together and i think i think that means that i saw all did i see all the monkeys except peter torque maybe i don't know i know when i saw them in the 80s in boston at the free oldies 103 summer concerts that they used to do at City Hall Plaza. I saw, I know Mickey and Davey were definitely there. I don't know if Peter was there. I can't remember. And then I had never seen Mike, who was my favorite monkey. Mickey, Mickey, Mike, it's pretty close. But anyway, uh, anybody that listens to the show knows that I love the monkeys. But I play that not because Mickey was on The Tonight Show last night, but it's, uh, it's called Cuddly Toy. And because I want to talk a little toys today. And this is something that I had been working on for a little while. Because I saw something somewhere, I, don't, I think it was a Fun 107 article, where Toys R Us was coming back, or it made a comeback, uh, and it had worked through, I believe, Target, and then signed a deal with Macy's. So, so Toys R Us exists, but it exists within other stores, which I don't, I don't get. I remember when Toys R Us tried to align itself with Toys.com during the dot-com boom. And then I remember when it bought FAO Schwartz and there was all this stuff going on to, to try to keep itself relevant. But in the end, the Toys R Us chain closed. But I always get upset when people get so nostalgic for Toys R Us because to me, Child World was the much better toy store. When I was a kid, we didn't really go to Toys R Us that much. And I don't know if it was a proximity thing. You know, when I lived in Randolph as a, as a young kid, we could go to Dedham. There was a Toys R Us in Dedham. In fact, we went to the Toys R Us in Dedham to get my swing set when I was seven years old. And then I don't really have a lot of memories of going to Toys R Us to buying toys, but I have a lot of memories of going to Child World. There was one in the Westgate Mall. You know, I lived in the Brockton Randolph area when I was young, back and forth between those two towns. So we would, the Westgate Mall is where we would shop. I don't think there was a, there wasn't a toy store at the South Shore Plaza. We would shop there too. Or if there was, it was like a KB or something like that. It wasn't a Toys R Us or a Child World. And then when I moved to Plymouth, where I spent, you know, my formative years, first grade through fifth grade, we would go to the Hanover Mall because this was before they had built the Kingston Mall. They built the Kingston Mall the last year I lived in Plymouth. 
So we would go to the Hanover Mall, and they had a child world. And then when we moved to the Cape, we moved to Sandwich. Can't remember if there was... I don't think there was a child world at the Cape Cod, Cape Cod Mall. No, there wasn't. It was... I think you had like a KB Toys situation. And I actually want to say it was across the street where the Kmart Plaza was. But anyway, that doesn't matter. We just had far more child worlds around me growing up. But when we came to the Wareham area, we had Toys R Us in Dartmouth, right? And a lot of you growing up in this area that are of you know my age or maybe a little bit older, probably not too much younger because Child World closed in 1992, you had the choice. Child World was one of the anchor stores in the original North Dartmouth Mall, as it was known then, before moving to Fawns Corner Road to the plaza where, I don't know what's over there, Cold Stone Creamery and Christmas Tree Shop and all that stuff. I'm, I still call it the Ann and Hope Plaza, and I wrote it in the article, and I will forever call it the Ann and Hope Plaza. I've got some Ann and Hope memories we could talk about someday, too. But you also had the Toys R Us that, from my understanding, had been in, in Dartmouth for a long time. Now, when my son was younger, Child World was over and done with, so we only had Toys R Us. And in fact... By the time he was born in, in 2004, I don't even think there was any more KB toys or some of the other ones. There were other toy stores that were like KB that you'd see in the mall. Because I remember I was in college when a lot of them were closing down because I was I was a toy collector at the time. And so we would go to the mall and get stuff on discount, on clearance. But... You know, my son growing up, he only knew Toys R Us as a toy store. But I don't know. Child World just had something different to me. And I'm, I'm, I put out the story and I'm seeing a lot of comments from people that worked for Child World and talk about that being a great place to work. That they enjoyed getting up and going to work every day. I know Barry Richard worked in, in toy stores when he was working retail jobs in the mall. I've heard him mention working in toy stores before, and I can imagine that that's, it's got to be frustrating at some point because you got a lot of screaming kids coming into the store, but it must be a lot of fun too to help kids like find that one special toy. And Child World to me was the ultimate place. Somebody made the comment on, on social media under the story, and, and I feel the same way. You felt like those shelves went all the way up to a 100-foot-tall ceiling. If you, you knew as a kid, if you went there and it wasn't on the shelf, the toy, the action figure, the doll, whatever it is that you wanted, if it wasn't on the shelf, you could just ask somebody. And there were so many boxes up over the shelves that they would find one in there for you. And I never understood why they sent those action figures in assorted cases like that. Like, I understand why, but also, like, you're making it so much harder. Just just send all the figures in smaller boxes, individually marked. But, I, you know, I would go there because I'm looking for a certain He-Man figure, certain Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle, certain Transformer. And you would find it 
because they had everything. So I wrote about it, and I what I did is I did a comparison because I knew when I came out of the gate saying Child World was better than Toys R Us, there were going to be people that disagreed with me. So I laid out my argument. I broke it down section by section as to why Child World was better. Who had the better mascot? The ubiquitous Jeffrey the, the, the Giraffe from Toys R Us or Peter Panda from Child World? I would argue Peter Panda. He was a panda who would roller skate down the aisles. That's that's pretty impressive to me. Uh, I, I looked at the store layout, and I kind of called that even because they were both kind of the same thing. A giant warehouse-style toy store was pretty impressive when you were a kid, no matter which one you went into. And I compared the commercial jingles. Maybe we can play some of those for you. A little bit later on. I compared the circulars. I compared, you know, the video games that they would have, the video game section, whether or not you could actually play the consoles, uh, outdoor toys, and then pop culture credibility. So you can check that story out at WBSM.com and on the app. If you want to call in with any thoughts on it or send them over via app chat, but the, the phone number is 508-996-0500. Give the article a look. And then when you scroll down after the story is, is done with, there are a couple galleries of photos of some of the best toys of the 80s, 90s, and 70s. So see how many of those you had and how many of them that you wish you had. There weren't a lot of toys that, you know, looking back at my childhood that I say, I really wanted that and I never got it. The one toy that was like, the thing that I wanted the most was the Thundercats Cat's Lair. It was the headquarters for the Thundercats. It was a big playset, And when you looked into the eyes of the cat at the top of it, you could play like a little video game. It wasn't a good game. It was like one of those, remember those little LGN games, LJN? They, it was like a rectangle and it had buttons on either side. And... The screen never changed, but it might be like Batman and you like your Batman throws batarangs at the bad guy. But like the screen doesn't really change. It moves like there's there's motion on the screen, but it doesn't really change much. And they had different games like that for all kinds of topics. It was kind of like one of those games. And my cousin had the He-Man play sets. So I got to play with those at his house. He had Castle Grayskull. Snake Mountain. I had the Evil Horde playset. Hordak and the Evil Horde. And I think the only time I was really ever jealous of other kids' toys was the kid Jeremy that lived next door to me when I was five had all the Star Wars toys. And then when I was in sixth grade... My friend down the street, I can't remember his name, I think it was Jay, had all of the Ninja Turtle stuff. That's it. Other than that, I, I had a pretty good toy childhood. So I know what I'm talking about when I tell you that Child World was better than Toys R Us. Anyway, 508-996-0500. We'll be right back. After the big gun. Doors, see if some of the uh, the outside snow got in a little bit. See if there's some cold drafts happening. See if you need to have 
your window or door replaced, or maybe you need to have it repaired. Precision Window and Kitchen is big enough to handle the biggest jobs. They'll replace every window in your home if you need them to. They'll replace all your entry doors if you need them to. They'll fully remodel your kitchen or your bath. But they can also do the smaller jobs. So maybe there's just one window that's causing you a problem. Maybe there's one broken pane that's letting some cold air leak in. No matter what it is, Precision Window and Kitchen can handle it. They will come to your home. They will take the part that needs to be repaired, bring it back to their shop if need be, fix it up, bring it back, reinstall it. That's the kind of service they provide for two reasons. One, it's just who they are. It's what they do. They've been doing it for over 35 years, and they can do it better than anyone. But also, two, it means that if you were to go pick it up at the shop and bring it back and try to install it, you might do what I do all the time, which is pop your hand through that screen again or crack that pane of glass again. They will make sure that that doesn't happen because they will put it back in for you. You don't need to have a big job to get their attention. They will do the small jobs that other guys just won't do. So if you want to find out more, you can go to precisionwindowandkitchen.com. You can call them at 508-990-3576, or you can visit them at their showroom at 1111 Acushnet Avenue. Stop by, talk with them, let them know what it is that you need done, and I guarantee you Precision Window and Kitchen can get the job done. No job is too big, no job is too small. The world was better than Toys R Us. Uh, Bob Cabral sent in a message from New Bedford on AppChat, and he says, Sears called, I'm old. Yeah, no, I bought toys at Sears, too. Uh, and I, there used to be a great place to go for video games because nobody ever thought to go there. So if you couldn't find the game you were looking for somewhere, you could always find it at Sears. Uh, and then also, um, HT in New Bedford says that there used to be... Hold on, my screen froze. Give me a second. We're running out of time. We're up against the break. North End New Bedford had a toy store called Toy Works behind the Newport Creamery. It is now a liquor store. And uh, we would ride our bikes as a group of friends every Saturday mid-morning and browse at the toys we wanted and also wreaked havoc on the bouncy ball kiosk. Usually someone ended up tangled up in the bungee rope. Uh, I remember Toy Works. If, if you mean we're talking about the Newport Creamery that was on Kings Highway, I remember the toy store that was behind there, and I remember going there when they were going out of business. And For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early, so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.